Town Hall Academy, episode 44. And say you don't have that inspection checklist. Have your team make it. Because I just like mm-hmm. came up with one. Someone gave me one. I gave it to the team. And then they rearranged it. They were like, it's not, it's not efficient. If we did this, if you move this here and if you move this here and you should word this different. And so having it on our computer, it's a work in motion. It never stops changing. So your team will buy in and help you do it once you get everybody on board. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, automotive aftermarket professionals, to the Town Hall Academy, episode 44. Your back office disciplines and practices make your entire operation run smoothly. Now, here in part one, we tackle controls, operations, and accounting finance. Carm Capriato here thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support of the Town Hall Academy. Now, here's another reason to choose Jasper. It's their commitment to continuous improvement. Their investment in research and development, product updates, and remanufacturing processes means Jasper provides the perfect product. Joining me for the summit on back office operations is Amy Matinat, owner of Auto Craftsman in Montpelier, Vermont. Jackie Walter Howard, the director of operations and third generation at her family business, Zimmerman's Automotive in Mechanicsburg, PA. Marianne Croce of Croce's Transmissions in Norwalk, Connecticut and SmallBizVantage.com. And also Kim Auernheimer, AAM, co-owner and business manager of CS Automotive in Brentwood, Tennessee. Today's podcast has a sister video. If you want to see the discussion in action, you can find it at remarkableresults.biz slash A044. Now, there you can view the Academy as it unfolded. You'll also find extended bios on my guests and links to their previous episodes. Also, on the show notes page, find an important part of the Academy, a compilation of the key talking points, yes, already done for you. You know, the stories and the lessons of the content library are wide-ranging, so using the website TagCloud will help you drill down to a specific area of interest. The most critical talking points are segmented for you, so you can find just what you're looking for. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash TagCloud. Also find local, regional, or national technician and business training events on the events page. It's under the resources tab or simply remarkableresults.biz slash events, and it's new. Now listen to Amy Matnat, Jackie Walter Hauer, Mary Ann Croce, and Kim Auernheimer as we discuss the importance of back office operations, part one. And we've got so many great talking points, everyone, that I'm going to start at the top of my list. And if we don't get to them all, we're going to come back and do part two. If you all hope, hopefully you'll agree, we'll, we'll work out a time we can all get on together. So controls. Amy, I'm going to go right out to you. Talk to me about controlling the money. Controlling the money, I think, is one of the most important parts of being an owner. And uh, I have to say, I know five different shops that have been embezzled. And from all different aspects, the service writer, the bookkeeper, um, a technician, and it all had to do with giving too much temptation to your staff. So 
for, you know, one of the things that we're taught over and over again when we go to classes is that you know you're successful when you're working on the business and not in the business. But I do feel that the money is working on the business. And that is the one piece that you never let go of. And at one point I had a, you know, a really good bookkeeper and she had authority to sign checks and she reconciled the checkbook and she could do everything and I didn't have to do it. And that when I met the third person that got embezzled, I, I said, thank you so much. You've been awesome. But um, I just need an office assistant assistant to do the data entry. And then from then on, it's my responsibility to sign the checks, reconcile the checkbook. And it's just a, it's a double check way of for you to really keep your eye on what's going on in the business. Can anyone else who's on here with us say that they have some experience with money problems, issues like that? I've heard a lot of stories um, similar to what Amy was saying. And probably a good thing was I heard about him in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So uh, me having a banking background, that was something that I didn't want to let go of. Um, I've heard about it in other industries as well. Many people in the trades. I think it's something not to be afraid of, but I think controlling it and having those checks and balances in place are crucial because then it does give you that power to make really informed decisions as well in knowing them, knowing those numbers. Okay, so let, let, let's dig down just a little deeper and let me throw this out to the panel because we're talking about money, we're talking about controls, um, bank reconciliations, um, who signs the check, who opens the mail. I mean, all of those, if you will, are really smart areas of discipline. Uh, Kim, can you share any special disciplines or controls you have in those areas? You know, yeah, that is, that is one thing that, um, we have so many, so many, um, transactions happening each day just in order to function. So we've got, um, you know, we've got POs going out, we've got, you know, parts coming in. And I think the biggest thing is to have systems and processes set in place so that you can go back and check at any particular point. Um, I do happen to do reconciliation and um, for the ease of the amount of transactions we have going on a daily basis, I actually do it daily. Um, I'll post it, uh, do a look at the bank account every day so that if there's a question or, or a charge, um, even if it's a, hey, Rob, what'd you buy at Costco? Um, he can hand me that receipt right there. So I'm, you know, I'm doing it on a daily basis as possible. Um, I'm the only one that has access to the, um, and of course, Rob, to our, um, our bank account information. Um, not, none of the mail gets opened um, except for my, myself or Rob. Um, part of it is because there's, you know, it's, it's our business. And it's, um, if, if, if it even comes addressed to somebody at the front desk, um, you know, such as our service writer or something, there's always, you know, it still comes through me first. Um, and it's just by systems. I appreciate that. Jackie, big business, big family business. Uh, you must have all kinds of controls. We do. One of the things we have is we have a, for our quick lube is we have a separate system. It's a separate POS system that has everything calculated down to the penny as to what's coming in and what is going out as far as change and whatnot. And we don't have that for our service department, but I've put something in place that allows us to make sure 
we're seeing what flo- what is flowing in and coming out as far as change and whatnot, just to make sure because money has go- has disappeared, but it has come up after a little bit of research, but it, it has never been stolen at this point. We've had a problem at our car wash with that, but not actually here in our service department. Here, I have a a thought for you. Um, A lot of the dealers, you know, if you just order a couple things from them and you're not ordering them on a regular basis, they won't give you a charge account. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, and so they, and they get grumpy about cash on delivery because other places may pick up the parts. So what I did for my service advisor is he has a credit card but he has a limit, the $1,000 limit on it. And so that way, and anytime he charges anything, I get a text message or an email so I know what he's doing. And if he's got to go over $1,000, then he contacts me and I take it from there. But you, you got to have systems so that your staff can function, mm-hmm. but that they're functioning with some control. We have this incredible industry, the beloved aftermarket of service professionals who were the greatest technicians in the entire world. And they said, I can run a business. And we, we know this for a fact. We talk about it all the time. And we realize what our strengths and weaknesses are because of that. And when you are good at talking to cars and you need to go and work on the service counter or work in the dreaded back office, you sometimes delegate things like writing checks and opening the mail and Payables and and I guess our warning here is, <laughs> and I think it was you, Amy, that said it. Never delegate this piece of working on your business. Yeah, yeah I and I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And- I mean, I know horror stories. You know, the best was um, the best friend who was the bookkeeper, and they would do you know fun things. The families, the kids, they hung out all the time. And unbeknownst, the, the best friend was embezzling them big time. And she actually, the shop bought them a boat and they would take the owners on their boat, you know, with them. And it was just like, wow, people, you know, and, and sometimes it's a sickness. I mean, that's what they found out. This woman just had this thing where she had been every place she'd ever been. She had been stealing money. I think it's also really important though, not that we have to, we have to be able to give our, our employees the, f- the freedom to, to do their job. Mm-hmm. So if there's always big brother watching over, I don't think that that's very conducive to a, a good culture. Um, however, having the systems and the processes and the checks and balances in place um, can, if there is an issue, it's caught early. Um, I still have people within the, the, you know, there are several of us that do have access to sign checks, but because I'm looking at them on a daily basis, I can nip it in the butt right away. So what you're really saying, Kim, is you've got to give trust and freedom, but you need to verify all the time that that trust and that freedom is, uh, is, is working. It continues to be uh, honest and, and you, you have to question, even if there doesn't look like anything out of place as an owner, you need to go out and say, Bobby, what was that check for? Even though you may know that, you know, a lot of, Hey, CEOs ask questions they know the answers to. Hey, I need to post it for accounting purposes for accounting purposes. What was, what was it written for? And can, and, and by the way, I didn't get the receipt to come down and, and really just overshadow and, and look over the shoulder all the time. It's, it's, um, you know, one of our, the first things when we're doing, we're doing, um, reviews of other shops and their employees is, do you feel empowered? And I think if somebody is always being, 
you know, or, or, you know, not able to do their job, then they're not empowered. And then you, you have culture issues. So mm-hmm. I think it is about having systems and balances and, and checks and balances in place. Trust and verify. Trust and yep. verify. Great. We can go on and on for, for controls, but thank you very much. It was, it was great. It was enlightening. And hopefully we've, uh, we, we've shaken, shaken the tree a little bit. A vehicle is more than just transportation. It's what we depend on to move our most precious cargo, our families. As a service professional, you provide routine maintenance for your customer's vehicle, but what do you do if the engine, transmission, or differential fails? Contact Jasper, of course. Jasper provides your customers with a cost-effective alternative to purchasing a different vehicle. Quality, remanufactured products from Jasper Engines and Transmissions carry a nationwide warranty with up to three years, 100,000 miles parts and labor coverage. Get your customers back on the road fast as Jasper offers immediate availability through two distribution centers and a network of 45 branch locations nationwide. If a new vehicle is not in your customer's budget and the engine or transmission in their car, truck, van, or SUV has given its last performance, a remanufactured drivetrain component from Jasper Engines and Transmissions will provide them with many years of trouble-free driving at a cost many times less than that of a new vehicle. For customer satisfaction, choose Jasper. Let's go into operations. Really big piece of what goes on in, inside the back office from systems, policies, and procedures. Kim, um, you're a big policy and procedures person. Absolutely. <laughs> Start us off. Well, I there's you know I just did a, a class recently on the the three P's of a great system, and that's policies, procedures, and you know it's um, it's I think it's very very important and very and I just mentioned it to empower your employees, to give them the freedom, but also the direction. Um, I think one of the most important things to do is, um, number one, to have a handbook, to know what's expected of our employees and what they should expect of us. Um, that is key. If a, if an employee, if it's in the handbook and it's, they've received it and signed off and they know what their attendance is, they know what they, what's expected from them. They know, um, the hours of operation all the way to the dress code to how you should and should not talk to a coworker, et cetera, et cetera. So I think by having, um, policies and procedures, um, in place, it's really, really important, um, in that it keeps everything, it keeps chaos from happening, um, number one. And there's always that, um, the accountability, um, also, you know, being held accountable at the same time allows for the freedom. Um, so I think handbooks are, or the first thing, if you don't have anything in place, get a handbook in place. That is the first thing you have to do, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and then just having, you know, systems, if somebody is, um, is out of the shop for the day and something has to be done. There's something written. So I'm a very firm believer in having things written and, and the directions available. You mentioned handbook. I know handbook. I, I think you're talking about the human resource handbook, right? Absolutely. Right. Well, uh-huh. We're going to cover that in, 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 the, in the HR topic. Marianne, processes, operations, procedures. Uh, I, it's, it's to tag on to what Kim was saying, it's so important and it sounds complicated, I know, to a lot of shop owners because a lot of technicians become shop owners. Mm-hmm. So their their comfort level is, you know, the, the production of their shop. And this part of what we're talking about here can seem so much, like so much. There's, there's so much meat to it. But I think depending on what stage of business you're in, 
the idea here is you actually want to make things simpler for yourself. Mm-hmm. So the effort or work that you're putting in in the beginning, it, it pays off big time. You know, if you're brand new in business, you're the person who's really bootstrapping. You're doing everything. You're wearing all the hats. And this can seem very overwhelming. When we look at this group, this four, four of us here now, I've met, I know all of these women. And We've, we're doing things that we're working. Yes, we're working inside of our business, but we're able to work on our business and get involved with other things, associations, get out and do things for the industry. And that's the goal. You know, I think as, as a, a shop owner is to get to that point where you can empower your team. Once you start growing um, in your business and you're not doing so much, uh, then then the part of it is, like Kim said, now you have to get everything. I mean, I, I want to correct myself. You are growing. You're, you're growing a lot. And now you have team members. You're not doing it all yourself. Then you really need those systems and processes in place to allow your team to grow, to allow your team to function and give them um, opportunity as well. Because everyone wants to contribute. You know, people don't want to feel micromanaged. So I think um, that's a great way to do it. And then, you know, lastly, when you do or when you're at that point in your business where you have these systems and processes working, a lot of times we think about, you know, scaling our business in the sense where now we're looking for those people that can come in and be leaders, uh, you know, in that, in the business and and really run it. So um, I think for people that may watch the replay, it could seem overwhelming or depending on what stage of business they're in, but it's really a journey, it's a process. And I'm sure, I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but there were a lot of things that I had to learn, a lot of skills that I had to build. I think it's just a normal part of the process. I think, I think understanding what policies, um, processes, and procedures do individually and how they collectively as a system keep things functioning, um, I think that's one of the hardest, the hardest things for a, um, a business owner because, as Marianne said, generally they're technician turned business owner. I know I come from a background of corporate America, property management, uh, commercial real estate. Um, I think... Um, you know, I think that that's part of it is having somebody come in and having that experience prior coming in. If you can't do it, you got to get somebody in there because to, to set up to help. Um, I think that the, that's the most daunting thing for a, a technician, especially technician turned business owner, but just a shop owner in general. The most daunting thing is sitting down and figuring out how are we going to do this and why are we doing this? And then getting everybody on board and so that that there is a system. But there is light at the end of the tunnel when you start this whole process. And Marianne, I, I want to give you a high five for that. The stages of business, bootstrapping, growth, and scale. I loved how you, you pieced that together. You're not going to all of a sudden wake up tomorrow and have the best operational procedures ever. I know there's a lot of people willing to share their ideas, but you cannot ever take someone's ideas and make it wholly your own. You have to modify it and make it yours. I say that they're, they're organic. Every, there are systems and processes that are organic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. Okay, so I feel like this is one of the most important things that uh, even if you're a one-man shop, you've got to have this because what it does is it gives you consistency within how you are running your business and it it 
gets rid of all the problems of communication because everything has to be done in a way that the ball doesn't get dropped. And it's all about communication. And that's the biggest problem in the business. And I feel like that's where we get our bad reputation is when we have miscommunication, which happens all the time. And that's what the systems and procedures are in place to help you not have that miscommunication. And the bigger you get, the more important the systems are because then you have various people talking to each other, but maybe they're not actually talking because the job ticket is talking to itself. So you need a system for whoever's talking to the customer to get all the information they need. And then it's got to be written down the same way correctly on the job ticket because then it goes out to the technician. And then you need that system for the inspection. You've Everybody, you've got to have a very bulletproof done by every single technician the same way every single time so things don't get missed. And then it's got to be written on the ticket. And what I tell my staff is this is their way of being accountable so that if the service advisor does not explain something to the customer, and then the customer says, well, nobody told me that. If you wrote it on your job ticket, then you're, you're fine. You mm-hmm. did your job. But if, you, if it's not written down, so then obviously you, maybe you verbally told it to the technician. He said, she said thing. If you wrote it down, you've covered your butt. So everybody understands that they have to be accountable. And all that accountability is to be able to communicate to each other so that by the time everything gets done and the customer's picking up the job at the end of the day, they know exactly what happened, why it happened. They already know the number. So you don't have the deer in the headlights that, you know, people should never pick up a car if it's going to be $500 and they thought it was going to be, you know, 125. Not okay. So the system and procedure is the check and balances keeps everybody accountable and prevents miscommunication. So there's nothing more frustrating than when a customer is here to pick up your vehicle, their vehicle, and they have a question and you just don't know how to answer it because it's not written down when... And then you have to chase down either the tech or the service advisor that that helped work on that vehicle. And it's it's if everything's written down, it's right there, ready to go. So you're really not saying, uh, hey, team, we have to be better communicators. You're really saying it's got to be a process. It's got to be in the system. We, we it, it's 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 Bible ish. Yep, it is Bible ish. And it's the, the way I've gotten my staff to uh, really buy into this is because things happen. I mean, we all know that things happen, cars come back. And so every single paper that anybody has written on is stapled to my copy of the invoice. So it has the flow sheet, it's got the invoice, it's got the job ticket, it's got the estimate, it's got everything. My copy has everything anybody has written on. So then down the line, if there's a problem, and I keep those for a year, because, you know, if something's not going to come back in a year, you're probably not going to see it again. But then I dig it out of the, and we say, okay, well, let's see if you did your job or let's see what happened. And I can follow every step of the job. And so that way, when something goes wrong, they all want to see that ticket too, because it it's just a way for them to 
again, be accountable for their own actions. And if everybody's being accountable for what they have to do, then they're taking the time and the energy to make sure it's done right. I think it's it's also important. Last just last night this happened where we had a customer that was picking up and we had to go back two tickets back. And if the systems and processes and everything are being followed as they should, we can go back and review and assume that this is what happened back then because it's done the same way every time. So, you know, we went back two visits and clarified a, a question because the systems and processes are are fluid. They just, they happen. And I think that's really important. And I know for us with our our state inspection, I don't know what your states are like. With our state inspection, as strict as it is, if it's not written down, it wasn't done. Mm-hmm. And and that's and if it's written down and something comes back and we have to look back at it and it's there, it saves our butt. Question. Um, you, you mentioned fl- fluidity. I, I, I love that word when it, when it, you know, just talks about great movement. And so there's a shop owner that says, you know, we've got some policies and procedures. They're really not where they should be. We have some, I can't imagine us continuing to work so hard to make these things as fluid and as strong and as powerful. Your experiences of getting up to the level that you had, let's give some advice to the shop owner who's who's on that bell curve, but he's nowhere near the high point of having the right stuff in place. What's it going to, what's it take? How long does it take? <laughs> what's the struggle? I don't think it has to take a long time. And the big thing to get the text to buy in is it's a win-win because if the shop owner could make, I mean, really it's just being more organized and the more organized you can be, um, the better production for the staff. And so then you just need to make it so that your staff wants to produce better. And so you either pay by production or you pay hourly with bonuses. And again, you make it a win-win for everybody. And that way they all want to buy into it. One of the things that we started um, when, when it came time, it's like, we just need to do this. We need to get these done. Is I actually because we do have um, we have meetings. We have very regular meetings. We have management meetings on Mondays and staff on Wednesdays. And with very few exceptions, I think uh, Thanksgiving week is the one week we didn't do it. Um, but those those policies and procedures are basically written up as a team in many cases. Or whoever's doing that job, list how you do it, why you do it, and, you know, where you do it and, and how. And then you start just kind of organically, how, you know, like, again, organically, because they're going to change, mm-hmm. going to change. Um, and so it's, I think you just have to, you know, what's this, take one step at a time, one foot forward at a time. And if, if it's not your gift, if you don't have the personnel, if you don't have, for whatever reason, get somebody into your shop to help you. That's, I mean, I think we spend a lot of time at trainings, you know, being in different classes, being told, you know, that we need to do this, but with very very few exceptions that I've experienced, the tools aren't out there. And I have happened to, you know, work with a great mentor that gave us the tools, but we had to still take them and make them our own and tweak them and, and make it happen. So one step at a time though. Carm, this brings a level of professionalism to the shop. That's what it does with that consistency that Amy was talking about and what Kim was saying about your team, the buy-in. So 
everyone from your service writer, customer service technicians, when they see this, it brings a level of professional, they're being seen as the professionals that they are. And once it's put across, you know, that way, and they see the benefit of it, it makes them, you know, uh, better able to do their job. It's a resource for them. Love that. And some of the processes and systems to even get started, you know, I have a customer service rep. The first time I hired a customer service rep was because I was in overwhelm. I was doing a customer service. I was doing the bookkeeping. Um, you know, I was doing the marketing. So I was in overwhelm. And I had someone come in part-time and told her what I wanted, got everything that was in my head the way that I was doing it out. But then I actually had her create all of the things that she was doing, I had her document it because mm-hmm. I was adding things. So when I realized after this part-time person uh, moved on, finished school and moved on, now I realized I had a full-time position and I had all the documentation there. So you can even get your team to help you. Mm-hmm. And having the meetings, like Kim said, I'm, and I'm sure Marianne and um, Jackie do also, is it's important to have regular meetings with your team. And say you don't have that inspection checklist. Have your team make it because I just like mm-hmm. came up with one. Someone gave me one. I gave it to the team and then they rearranged it. They were like, it's not, it's not efficient. If we did this, if you move this here and if you move this here and you should word this different. And so having it on our computer, it's a work in motion. It never stops changing. So your team will buy in and help you do it once you get everybody on board. I love it. Uh, by the way, I, I do want to say that all of my guests today are members of the auto care woman in auto care w-i-a-c and it's one of my most favoritest groups in the entire world love woman in auto care and can i put a plug in for our winter meeting we're having our winter leadership conference out in scottsdale arizona january 31st february 1st yeah there you go And so anybody's interested, womeninautocare.com. That will be uh, very good, womeninautocare.com. That would be a nice weather down in Scottsdale, right? I know. I'm so looking forward to going and being warm. There's a couple of, I see a couple of uh, Women in Auto Care members that are on the uh, Facebook Live too there. And it's it's an amazing group of pe- people. Yeah, I know. And uh, and who was it that said, Carm, why you have all women on? Why'd you have all women on this show? Oh, it was Amy. It was Amy. Says, yeah, I said, oh, notice that you got the women talking about being organized. And- <laughs> this was by design. I love hanging out. I love being the only guy in the room. And if there's anybody who, who you know, any of the guys who want to come, we don't exclude guys from our conferences. That's right. I've been to one. I really do believe we need to break this up into two parts. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to save human resources and customer for the next time we get together. And hopefully it won't be, you know, too far out. Maybe within a month we'll we'll get this panel together again. But I want to jump into accounting and finance. And, (laughs) and, And I just think that... This is, you know, I've been to a lot of seminars, seen the business coaches in front of them and say, okay, did you bring your P&Ls? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's our steering wheel. To steer the wheel of your business is your, your finances. It's your snapshot of Yes, of, how do you know where, where to are? drive if you can't see the road? And there's a lot of guys, and in the old days, says, listen, if there's money in the checkbook, I'm doing fine. 
and you know and you're literally bleeding to death on a daily basis and the money in the checkbook goes from having a thousand dollars to 500 but yet there's still money in the checkbook that must mean i'm doing okay but there really should be twenty thousand in the checkbook not 500 so it is a snapshot and finance and accounting is so so important P&L, payables, accounts receivable. And we got a question that came up um, on the Zoom webinar platform about QuickBooks. So ladies. I'm going to jump right in on this one. Um, the I do come from a accounting, not an accountant, but an accounting background with um, full charge bookkeeping and managing multi-million dollar um, um, uh, commercial portfolios for different you know, um, investors and such. One of the biggest things you got to do is stay organized up front. Um, QuickBooks, one of the little things that, that most people don't even know is QuickBooks has this little tiny button. It's called a paperclip or it's a picture of a paperclip. Um, I, my husband and I were um, very, very privileged and honored to be called upon the IRS for, uh, for it to be audited. Oh, um, <laughs> and it was um, the scariest thing I've ever experienced in my life. However, but because everything was organized and, and clean, I mean, you got to keep good clean books. I'm never going to tell you anything different. Um, but because I, if, you know, every receipt going back, remember the checks and balances, I need that receipt is the checks and balances that the money is not being spent that shouldn't be spent at the very beginning of the conversation. But I had every receipt accounted for. So when the, uh, appraiser, the um, um, auditor came in, he said he'd be here for three to four days in my business. So this was not an outside audit. This was, he was living with us basically. Um, he planned on me here three to four days. And because I was able to basically give him everything in, in binder platform, clean, and cl- he was here for about two, about three and a half hours. And my audit came back clear. He dismissed the second, I had two years that I was flagged for. One was uh, because we sold investment properties. And the next year we made too much money for an automotive business. Thank you to my, <laughs> my, uh, you know, my, uh, the smart group and Cecil Bullard for that. So, <laughs> but when we're making too much money, they looked at you funny too. So I had to really go. And we also purchased a building that same year. So, um, that being said is, is accounting has to be clean. It has to be organized from the get-go. And, um, you know, if you don't think you're ever going to be audited, I never thought I would be either. Wait a minute. You, you can't go to an IRS audit with a box of receipts and say, look through it? You can, absolutely. And that's what he fully expected. But when, you, when I handed binders over of all these, I was basically, you know, what do our customers want from us? They want transparency. I was transparent. And by being as organized as, as I was, thank goodness, then it didn't look like, you know, he's, and he did say there's many shops that he's gone into and there are literally boxes of receipts and it's his responsibility. I think what it was is he has to, we have, we are, we have the duty of of proving our expenses and he has a duty of proving our income. And so, but when you hand, you know, nothing's, Nothing's going to tick an auditor off more if you're not, if you just hand over a box and then he's going to start being, you know, a little different. Besides worrying about an IRS audit, (laughs) you still need to have that roadmap and boxes of receipts. It doesn't do it if you're going to run a successful business today. 
And part of, of if you if you run your business like you're being audited, then it's easy to pull numbers to know the roadmap to know which direction you're driving. So that's going to be something I stand behind. <laughs> yeah, does everybody use QuickBooks? I use QuickBooks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's the answer for our Q and A from today. So yes, you use. And is it is it easy to integrate? It must be into an automotive shop. Mm-hmm. Piece My of cake. point of sale system basically exports too. So I don't know about everybody else's, but it, it exports information over to QuickBooks. Mine does as well. Is 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 QuickBooks uh, printing your P and L? And if it does, are you going to an accountant or a bookkeeper external to have any kind of verify uh, an audit? Yeah, we use a uh, we use an outside accountant's office to help us with our taxes. It's just, this company has grown a little too big for us to be able to handle it in-house. So we've, we, we have an outside accountant that helps us out with that. Yeah, we do as well. We have an outside accountant that we use for tax purposes. I think though, um, something to bring up with accounting is it's really important, as Kim said, to keep your books clean. Don't mix personal and business. Keep everything separate. And um, as Kim said, we had a similar situation where we, when we purchased our building, we keep those set up as different accounts, mm-hmm. separate accounts. The business is one account and the building is a separate business altogether. So when you, it's so much easier. And then if there are areas in your business where um, you, you are catching something, it's much harder when you have all those funds mixed together to see. Mm-hmm. Um, if one area is doing well and another area isn't, you may look, be looking at the checkbook and say, oh, there's money there, but you may not be seeing that hole or where you're, you're losing money. So it's much, much um, better to keep, and I would advise you right from the start, to keep everything nice and clean and separate. Yeah, and if you own the building and you keep it separate, then one day you may sell the business and then become a landlord and collect rent. And so yeah. then it's, it's very clean and easy to do. Plus, then you can show the service side of the business made this much money and you don't have the building tucked in there at all. That's what happened to us because the building that we're in, we're not the only business in the building. So we became um, landlords as well at the same time. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> oh, that, to your point, Amy, that's true. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly what happens. I think it's I think it's very important to I mean we had an absolute godsend um, of an accountant sent to us. Um, he actually had experience or has experience in automotive, and um, he's just around the corner from us. And I know there's a couple of other shops around the country that are are actually using him now because he's good. But we also meet with him. I talk with them if not every month, at least every quarter to kind of go over and see how are things looking? How are your projections coming? Um, you know, your estimated tax payments, et cetera, et cetera. So I think having a, a, a good accountant is key. We didn't have a good accountant the first 10 years of our business and it was painful. Um, but in addition to that, I think um, if, if, you, if you can or if you don't work with a uh, a mentor or a, um, you know, a coach, um, a lot, then I think it's smart to get with one because they're going to help you learn how to look at your finances all the way down to parts to labor ratio. 
why would you think that's important? You're making money. There's money in the bank. I'm good. But knowing how your parts to labor ratio match up, what are your margins? Margins and, you know, something I learned coming into automotive and never being in retail was margins and markups are not the same thing. Um, it's, you know, I was like, blown away. I doubled it. I got 50% margin, right? No. Um, the, uh, so getting with somebody that, um, that understands the numbers to help you. And I love what Amy said, steering wheel, know how, where you're driving your, your, your uh, business to. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point about estimated taxes. Uh, that was a, a rude awakening when our business, when I bought the business, um, I then got to put in all the systems procedures that my business partner never wanted to do. And the literally the business like doubled in sales in one year. And all of a sudden there was like all oh, this money coming in and I didn't know anything about estimated taxes. And so then, you know, cause I was getting a paycheck out of the business. And so I was, you know, having a W2 like everybody else else. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh man, I got to pay taxes because I didn't know about estimated taxes. So Mm -hmm. having an accountant who can kind of keep, you know, in a quarterly basis is not a bad thing is to have someone to kind of hand over. And that way it's not the end of the year. And it's like, you made too much money. And so (laughs) then your choices are you either, you know, give the government the money or you go buy some tool and equipment you don't really need because you can't put the money in your pocket because you didn't have a strategy. And there are strategies, which I've learned over the years of how you can kind of tuck money away and not have to give it to the government. And I think it's important too working with an accountant because some people just think the profit loss statements, oh, the, that's what's driving the success of their business. But there's, there's a balance sheet there too that does, they don't, they have different expenses. And um, so really the, Profit and loss statement's not really your um, gauge on success. It's the health of the business as a whole. And that includes other, other parts of the, of the whole accounting equation. A bunch of things came to my mind, everyone, as we're talking about accounting and finance. Budgeting, blind spots, know your numbers, margins. Kim, you brought up margins. That was a, it was a great thing. You know, people have to understand that you pay bills with margin dollars, not with margin percent. And, uh, you know, you may not, as well as you know, you sell an engine for X amount of money. There's no way. It is the typical parts margin that you would make, but there's an awful lot of margin dollars in engine sale along with the labor. But has anyone ever uh, done any, any budgeting for, in their company? Yeah, I have to budget big time because um, I live in Vermont and we have, uh, it's like a roller coaster. So we have, I call it tire season. So like right now it's tire season and we're really busy and then we're going to go into January and February where it's going to be dead or in a doornail because it's cold. Nobody wants to come out and nobody wants to deal with their car. And then May comes and it's like really busy again because we have to, you know, put on their summer tires and put the cars back together. So I have to budget. So because you know, we all know there's a technician shortage and I have fabulous ASC certified master technicians who I never, ever want to leave me. So I have to be able to budget my money to take care of them. So if it's in the middle of February, it's 20 below zero and we have two customers coming in the door, we've got projects to do and I have the money to pay them. So that's big budget. Amy, you're saying is, oh my God, look at that. It's it's the heightened part of the season ooh, we're making some money, that means I could go spend it. Right, right. Tuck it away, tuck it away. But you know what? 
know your you got to know your cycles and you know you yes gotta, because your cycles it. as you as you as you start coming into yes. your downtime and you know you you may have a very lean profitable month how that cash flow works is you've got to have a, a stable base from the good months and you need to sit on it and hold it so by building a budget gives you that 12 month look exactly. and makes you a better disciplined person who will say oh yeah we need that new tool and you go out yes. and you pop three or four thousand dollars down and you didn't have an equipment spend budget for the year and now you've hurt yourself and you may struggle getting bills paid or paying that estimated tax in, yes. the, in the lean months, right? And it makes you a better employer because when your staff, I mean, my staff knows that I'm tucking money away and I, you know, and I'll tell them, they'll be like, we know there's money because we know how, you know, how busy we are. We really want this tool. And I, you know, and so I'm very transparent with my staff and I said, well, that's great, honey, but... January, February, you all want to get paid, right? And they're like, yeah. I said, well, we need this much money in the saving to cover us. So if there's nothing happening in January and February, everybody's bills are getting paid. So once we hit that number, I'm good with buying you this tool that we don't really need, but you want because, you know, it's a new tool and you want this, you know, the company to buy it versus you buying it. So there's that whole thing of how do you make, and, and that's a whole other thing to talk about, but that's part of the puzzle of how to make your shop a wonderful place that people want to work. And having good cash flow is really key because technicians all have stories of places where they worked where there wasn't enough money for them to get their paycheck. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, most of them live paycheck to paycheck. I think I think it's also important to um, one of the things that we do for our, our management meetings every Monday is talk about the week before and I have numbers on a weekly basis. So as far as budgeting, it's also important to know what your cycles are and we even go as far as looking at cycles on a weekly basis. We've started, we started noticing a pattern um, this last year and this year, the week after getting back from Apex, um, or, you know, last year, my husband's called me, we are so dead. And I, I thought it was because election first week of November. And because we actually looked at, look at our numbers on a weekly basis, I've been able to go back through the last five first two weeks of November and know, and, and basically it was announced if anybody wants to take vacation the first two weeks of November, that's when you do it. So that's part of budgeting too, is knowing what your cycles are so that you can, um, so you can staff properly. So you can make your, like Amy said, make your pay the employees when you don't know how you're going to be able to do it. But budgeting is key, but knowing those numbers are, are just yeah. as important. And then knowing those two weeks, you can have a very special marketing ready mm -hmm. to go out yes. the door. I mean, uh, January and February, if, if anybody needs work, it, I mean, I don't say that out loud to everyone, but that's time to come into the shop because we're going to have all kinds of specials to kind of bribe people to come in on the timeline we want them to come in. But you got to know about it so that you can be prepared mm -hmm. and you don't wait until, oh, good Lord, the phone's not ringing. We got nothing on the schedule and then come up with a marketing piece because the train has stopped. Mm -hmm. You need to know that the train's going to slow down before it slows down and get that marketing mm -hmm. out there while it's still busy so that hopefully the train won't stop. 
We, we talked to cash flow just a, just a moment ago. We, I am planning on doing an academy on cash flow, and, and I think that's going to be a really great episode to you know, get into the details of why cash is king in a business and, and how you make it work. Um, I, I, I want to ask a question to, to everyone. We're, we're getting near the end. Oh, the hour's coming up. And so kind of let's wind it down in this, uh, you know, this whole operational um, back office piece. We talked controls. We talked operations. And, and now we're talking accounting and finance. We're going to come back and do HR customer marketing piece. Um, but blind spots. And it was something I can't remember who wrote it down. Kim, it may have been you. Uh, and I love the word blind spots when it comes to accounting and finance. So let's go around the room and let me ask every one of you, give me one of your biggest takeaways. Uh, it was a blind spot for you, something you learned that was so important when it came to accounting and finance. Um, basically, I kind of alluded to it is, is, you know, it's interesting at the end of the year when you do your taxes and the, you know, according to this stupid 1040 form, it says you made money, um, is really knowing um, the what I had to really kind of hone into is, is there are other expenses that are not on that P and L, um, you know, capital, capital improvements, um, you, you know, equipment replacement stuff that gets depreciated that doesn't show up on that P and L. So you've got to, when you do budget, you've got to plan on capital expenditures. Um, we, we are blessed enough that we own our building. So we get to fix everything, um, you know, and, and uh, we just had our heater in at home go out. Well, because I'm not doing my budget at home, like I'm, you know, I shame on me. We didn't plan for that. So we're having to figure out that one, but it is knowing and planning ahead and knowing what your cap, not just what your day-to-day costs are, but what your capital expenditures are going to be over the long term. Who's next? Marianne? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, having that information is so powerful because the eye opener is projecting your goals, what you want to do with your business, where you want to go. Do you want to bring another team member on without having all of that information? You really don't know, you know, where you're going. So knowing the facts and it's scary for a lot of people because sometimes there's fear in knowing your numbers you have a gut feeling or you're not 100% sure and you don't want to face it, but it's a powerful, it's really a powerful tool when you know those numbers and what you can do with them, how you can go in and you can plan uh, for the future. And, and now you can actually take, take action on, you know, is there a service? Is there something that you're doing that is more profitable than something else? All those types of things, planning for your marketing, it, it's so powerful that I think if we get over that fear of, of the numbers, you'll find that they're kind of exciting. <laughs> you know, you are so right about that. I mean, that is such a great point. Learn to embrace. Funny story. When I was a young man, just got out of college, uh, dad sat me down in the office and he said, hey, you know, our accountant. And he gave me the P&L, uh, the balance sheet and the P&L for the month. And he says, look it over. And I did. And he says, uh, any questions? I said, no. I left the room. Years later, I realized that they were rolling on the floor laughing so hard. And the accountant and the accountant saying to my dad, 
we got a lot of work with this kid. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have a clue. <laughs> he just came right. back from accounting college. <laughs> he doesn't have a clue. <laughs> and so when I when I finally you know embraced it and, and had it, and you know, and then later on, of course, in my life, as I'm working with 135 P and Ls from all these companies that I was working with, um, you know, it was so easy to quickly take a, you know, a P&L and a cash flow statement and, and find issues and problems, weaknesses and strengths. <laughs> I had to tell that story. Jackie, any blind spots uh, the accounting side? I'm not sure about a blind spot, but <clears throat> something that's exciting is, is when you make a simple change on the procedure that you're doing um, and then you can watch your your PNL increase as far as revenue and whatnot, it, it, that, that's exciting to see that to me and saying, okay, a simple change that I made here, okay, that increase here, let's see if we can keep this going. That's, that's to me, exciting. <laughs> Great point, huh? To see all your efforts show up in a number. Yep. Good for you. Amy, last word. I think that everybody hit most of them. So I'll just kind of add on to Jackie's and uh, a blind spot, I think, for a lot of shop owners is they don't charge shop supplies. Uh, another thing you should be charging is technical fees. How many people use all data or Mitchell or Identifix? All of those cost money. We started adding a $4 technical fee to every single job ticket so that all that just gets paid for. It's a wash. And that you know, so that way it's not coming out of your profit. Um, shipping, make sure you're charging for shipping and maybe even a couple bucks more just in case there's any kind of outside thing. And then Kim alluded to this, and this would be something that would be a great, you know, do a whole town hall meeting on this, is really how to look at the numbers of various things that you do so that um, what is your most profitable service or repair? And then whatever that is, you become the expert. Like for us, it's breaks. We make so much money doing breaks. And, you know, my guys are also talented. They can do it in their sleeps and they're fast. And so on all of our marketing, we are break experts. So anybody Googles breaks, we come right up front. So what is it that you do where you make the most money? And what is it that you do that you make no money? Then maybe you shouldn't even do that. Because if you're doing something where you're not making any money, you you're taking that space and that time up where you could just kind of push that and say, you know, we don't do that here. And, or, you know, have another shop that you could bring it over to that you're going to make a little money on it. But again, all those numbers give you the direction of where to make your decisions so that you're more profitable. Well, thank you ladies so much. Uh, wow. What a, a great lunchtime here in the East Coast on the uh, Town Hall Academy. Thank you to Jackie Hauer, Amy Matnat, Marianne Croce, and Kim Auernheimer. We'll repurpose this video and the podcast by by next Wednesday. And uh, we'll do part two, say, within 30 to 45 days. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you guys. Bye. Have a great day. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time, 